Kong It Up, it's episode 9 of the Insert Credit Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gorblax Jaffe, and joining me are four guys. Three of them you know, one of them's brand new. Uh, you know, same deal. It's Tim Rogers. Yeah, what's up? Brandon Sheffield. What's good? Frank Spaldi. Hey, I'm last this time. And this new guy is a little guy called Brent Porter. The uh, programmer slash artist for ActionButton.net. He's the guy who put together action the... Button entertainment. Action Button Entertainment. Yeah, jeez. What a mistake, Ooh. Alex. Way to go. Uh, yeah, I'm a little guy. Hey, little guy, hey. Brent. Uh, I really like that ziggurat thing you did, and a whole bunch of other things you did I can't talk about yet. Oh, yeah, the secrets. I like mostly the things I, I, ha- I haven't done yet that we can't talk about. Oh, Brent Porterhouse Porter is what I like to call him. Um, Brent also did the uh, little fantasy star fan art that you'll see on the uh, album art of this year podcast on the iTunes. Yeah, he sure well did that. That was actually his his uh, uh, his job interview piece. Is I yeah. Was, I was. You know, what I like about that is that uh, someone commented somewhere they just assumed it was the actual art from the game. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I was like. Even though it's definitely done in your, in in a distinctive style that is not the style yeah. from that art, but it's pretty neat that somebody just it, it's if you can fool somebody with something that is a tribute but not a copy, that's kind of neat. I mean, it's a thumbnail, so you know, yeah, you can trick people that way. You can you trick, trick people. Trick people with a thumbnail. I do that all the time. Uh, you guys ready to start? Oh yeah. Here's the Why deal. Not? I'm going to ask you a question you guys have never heard before, and you're going to have six minutes or less to answer it. Once you reach the six-minute mark, I'm going to play a horrifying noise, and we will be forced to move on. Nice. We will begin with question one. What can horror games do to effectively scare players? What can a horror game do? To- so I would say uh, the best thing to do is present the character with the unknown, which is why games like... Uh, Silent Hill worked so well back in those days because that fog, you just couldn't see through it, and the ambiguity of those um, low-poly enemies was just kind of horrifying. And they also used the crazy camera angles and things like that. Yeah, you didn't know what the heck the enemies were in that game. Yeah, yeah. And then that game Amnesia, there's just like one one thing chasing you around this place and you hardly ever see it, but it, it's just following you and it's there and you're in the dark and it's horrifying. And uh, that's that's the main thing. People just try to go for like these big, gory, grotesque monsters, but we have those in normal games, so like, who cares? I mean, the most I've been scared in a game is when like I've accidentally fallen through the geometry and I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> oh, man. Like, that is that is a terrifying thing, and it's something that I feel like games could tap into a lot more. Because it's just like my reality was just destroyed. I just fell through a solid object. It's not supposed to be the way this works. Help me. That's what they try to do in that Eternal Darkness game where they do the uh, the pause thing, and you haven't hit the pause button, but it makes you pause, or it or it'll. Uh, It'll mess with the screen and rewind and fast forward things and be like, "Hey, what's happening to my game?" Tape? Delete your save file. Yeah, but that whole Eternal Darkness game where it freaks you out by like your power meter is like, like, like your life meter just runs out, like that sort of thing in yeah. a game. That to me, I 
remember playing Eternal Darkness for like 10 minutes and knowing going in that it was going to try to do stuff to mess with me. And it's just like, well, I'm just not going to look at the UI. I'm not going to trust anything. And it was a really, really boring game going into it with that experience. Yeah. It it, it would have been exciting if I, I didn't know that stuff. But I, you I'll know. tell you, uh, sorry, a, a time when that really worked well, um, that sort of stuff, because it didn't work well for me in, in Eternal Darkness either, but like in uh, Silent Hill 3, there's a room that you're in, and you look in the mirror and you see that your your character, Ashley, or whoever she is, um, starts bleeding in the mirror, and uh, and then the whole room starts getting all gross and bizarre, and your health is just disappearing rapidly, and everything is... And it seems like you're going to die, and you're running around, and there's no way to get out of this room, and then uh, the door opens just as you're about to die, and then you can exit. And that was, I thought... Pretty fantastic. And your life refills when you leave? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Well, that sucks. Yeah, I know. But it was scary. There was a really scary part in 2 for me, in Silent Hill 2, the the bug part, where I believe you're in an elevator shaft or something, and you're locked in there, and it's dark, and you manage to turn on the lights, and then there's just bugs everywhere. And uh, they're chipping away your health, and... You're like frantically trying to. I, I might be remembering this wrong, but I remember frantically trying to figure out what the, the uh, keypad wants you to put in to get out of the room so the bugs leave you alone. Uh, that was really scary to me. I think that's basically the same exact puzzle. Was that? Was that? Oh man, was that two or three? Now that I'm thinking of. God darn it. Maybe it was two. Maybe because uh, I, I didn't. I didn't play three. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you guys that I've never played through a Silent Hill game that I just find them so trashy no. in, in terms of uh, the, <laughs> no. the game. The game part is just, it's like a, it's like they just knifed a bag of garbage and set it in front of a fan and just let it blow all over the place. That's what those games feel like to me. <laughs> it's like like it, like they, they covered a floor in flypaper and then they knifed a bag of garbage and held it in front of an elect like a big big like industrial fan and just let it get all over and stick to the floor and then it's like here go play in that. I think you that know? was actually a boss battle in Silent Hill. <laughs> <laughs> The old which, knife's garbage bag. Which, which one was that? Was it two or three? Can you not remember? I can't remember. They're all the same. <laughs> it's like, I, I remember, like, I was like, I think I'm going to play a Silent Hill game. And my friend Stable was like, you've got to play two, dude. And then everybody's like, yeah, you've got to play two. And then somebody else is like, no, you've got to play three, man. And then I was like, oh, wait, I thought it was two that I'm supposed to play. And then... Stable's like, no, actually, you should play three. Three is definitely the one. And I'm like, I thought you told me, you definitely told me to play two. And he's like, no, I didn't. I definitely told you to play three. And I'm like, this is probably a problem here, is that somebody who talks about being a big fan of the series uh, couldn't really remember which one he had recommended me to play. Well, doesn't that also happen with Mega Man, Uh, with uh, the two and three over there? It totally does happen with two and three. No, two is the answer for both of those. It's like... There's there's no questioning either of those. It's two for both. Oh, three. I don't know about that. What, for Mega Man and Silent Hill both? Absolutely. Which Silent Hill do you like, Porter? Uh, I would say the first one, just because of like what was mentioned uh, mentioned earlier. The the graphics were kind of so bad. Or not bad, but just so... Uh, Lo-fi. Ambiguous. Without, deta- yeah. without detail that um, it allowed the game to be scary, you know. 
Yeah, I actually would recommend number uh, number one myself as as maybe the one. Maybe I'll get player. it on the the PSN store and play it on the Vita on like a Greyhound bus. Would that make it scarier? Yes, you shouldn't play it on your on your high res television because that'll. You guys heard that? Oh, one? that scared me. That's what games can do to terrify me. <laughs> yeah. All right, it makes sounds like that. What is the correct way to establish lore in a video game series? Lore. Really, really long cutscenes, <laughs> especially at the beginning. Yeah, uh, just going into the complete history of your character, showing his childhood and uh, why he has a sword and what the sword's name is. Uh, I think uh, at, uh, least, at least twenty minutes at the beginning, and then uh, various times throughout, and then thirty minutes at the end. I think the best way to do it is books on a shelf that you can pick up and put in your inventory. Leather band. So, so it's like there's a book and you read it, and the first three sentences. Or the first three words of the first sentence are proper names of places and people that you've you've never heard of until this book. And right. the title of the book is uh, Legend of Something Tania. And you, you, you can put the book in your inventory and it weighs one pound and you can carry it around everywhere you go if you ever want to read about the lizard people. And it weighs <laughs> a pound and you read it and it just says, the lizard people died a million years ago. Maybe they will come back someday, and then that's it. <laughs> that's partly because you only read the first page. Yeah, the character, the video game character, he's too busy. Characters in, say, Skyrim, are they're just too busy running around, beating stuff up. They don't want to read more than the first page. Yeah, a little narrative text box comes up. You don't have time to read the rest of this. You're saving the world. <laughs> yeah, you're not a book reader. You're a stuff killer, punk. Uh, Frank and Mike Micah and I were talking about making a Warlords sequel called uh, Lore of Wards, where uh, Lore it of was Wars, not Wards. Ward. Oh, Lore of Wars. Yeah. Well, I thought. Man, I forget. Okay. It might maybe have been the War of Lore. War Lore. Whatever. There was lore involved, and we lore were talking war. about making like a lore war. a lore giant uh, giant leather bound book that had tons and tons of lore in it about this tiny little game that is just about, you know, protecting a castle from a fireball. But the entire history of the green castle and why they hate the red castle. And yeah. yeah. It was going to be an arcade funny. machine that there was only one arcade machine in the world just in a random bar in Oakland. And it had kind of like payphones used to have, the like attached phone book kind of hanging oh, thing off of it. Yeah, you could, you could lift that up and kind of read about the lore. Rip and pages out and wipe your stuff on them. Well, Absolutely. Ziggurat has an enormous amount of lore, but nobody knows it but like three people. Yeah, I know that's that's how it's going to stay we, <laughs> until we decide to unleash it on the yeah. world. I think when I think of lore in video games, I think of the stuff that's like outside the game and kind of around the game. Stuff like like Super Mario Brothers three has mm-hmm. all these like. The whole idea, if you crouch on a, on a white block for five timer clicks, you fall through the block, and it's like, you can do that in level three to get the, the warp whistle. You can also do it in level one one because there's a white block back there. It's like, why is it there? And then somebody tells you, and you don't believe it, and then you test it. And Super Mario Brothers 3 is just bursting full of stuff like that. Because I think of, like, Tower of Druaga, where to get the secret keys, you have to do this just completely stupid memorized stuff and that arcades in Japan used to have like a clipboard where you would like write your tips for the next player on it like that's kind of a cool thing I really like when uh, the lore of a game like the the 
the lore of the world is more implied than than stated. Yeah. Like, like y'all were talking about, just writing a whole, uh, you know, there's a reason why everybody does everything in this game. It's just you don't have to write about it, but it comes across subtly in, in how the game works. I don't know if it comes across that way in Ziggurat. Why is the guy on that triangle? But uh, Big old triangle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tri- think that, that's, that's the actual serious answer to the question. Uh, yeah. Implying stuff seems to be the best way to do things in interactive videotapes. <laughs> yeah, give- I, I don't even know if it's intentionally implying so much as it's uh, creating that lore before you make the game and, and just it's naturally sort of hinted at and implied because it's real. I actually wrote a uh, 96-page novella about the world of Ziggurat, like that tells the story of how that human gets to the top of that pyramid. And uh, then we only... I mean, I, nobody on the team read it because I, I didn't send it to anybody. But uh, just like, like good old George Lucas, I, I figured, you know, I'd have that whole... He had that episode one through three all in his head. He's like, yeah, there's going to be a guy named Jar Jar, but <laughs> they don't need to know about that. They'll just have Chewbacca first. Right. Yeah. You know? That's exactly right. Chewbacca so, will prepare the audiences for Jar Jar. Yeah. yeah. And, when, and once you saw <laughs> exactly. episode one, you're like, oh, everything makes sense now. I remember being a kid and people going, yeah, Chewbacca was Han Solo's friend. Han Solo rescued Chewbacca. Chewbacca used to be a slave on some planet on some alien planet. I'm like, how did that kid know that? Right? And then it turns out to be true. It's like in one of the books in the quote-unquote extended universe. I, I like that sort of thing. And I can't really think of uh, games that really, really effectively do that. Because they don't mention anywhere in Star Wars Episode 4, 5, or 6 that Han Solo rescued Chewbacca from some mine or whatever it is. I always assumed that uh, Ziggurat was... Um Inspired by Star Wars Episode One, when Jar Jar Banks says, "You said people gonna die." Yeah, he's Jar Jar Banks speaks of the Ziggurat human. Yeah, um, I always thought human. it was uh, inspired by the sentence, "Now this is pod racing." Yeah, <laughs> that it's all about pod racing. Anna P asks, "What's the best?" Anna P. Anna P. What's the best food item in a game? Food's gross. Yeah, food is actually really gross. I would rather shoot stuff than eat food. Okay. That doesn't really... Uh, So as as the person here who uh, enjoys food, and perhaps Porter Porter does also. Do you like food, Porter? I love food. I'm eating pizza right now. Good good, good for you. Pizza! Um, the best food is definitely an entire chicken or turkey on the floor. I was about yeah, to I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. I was about to say when when you break a garbage can and there's a whole roast turkey and then you pick it up, Streets of Rage 2 mm-hmm. has the best sound effect in the world. So food is gross, right Brandon? Correct. Eating food produces a gross sound in my head and I can't get it out. I have to eat the food. This That's is why fact. I subsist mostly on liquid. But if Food consumption in the real world made the sound it makes in Streets of Rage 2 when you eat a chicken. That's it. That that would be great. I would love it. You'd be a vegetarian. You'd just eat chicken. Yeah. Time, I, to, get, time to get real fat. I would, I would be enormous if eating a chicken made that sound. <laughs> I mean, I just play through Comic Zone, and in that game you kind of subsist entirely on fruit juice. 
Yeah. Good old fruit juice. That's not. That, yeah, I don't like that. I, I, I would hate say it. drinking has a grosser sound than eating. Yeah, drinking, especially the gulp sound, that that Adam's apple sound, where you know you can kind of see somebody's Adam's apple kind of twitching while they swallow. Yeah. My big brother used to do that because he used to drink a whole lot of milk, and while he was drinking milk, it's just there's this nasal, uh, this gulp click sound that's going on, and you know his throat is kind of twitching as the he just kind of slurgs it down into his throat. I think my You're favorite. <laughs> And uh, video games have been, like, really super Japanese games that just inserted what they thought was American food into them. So just randomly you'll have Alex Kidd, like, oh, he's eating a hamburger for some reason, because that's, that's what the kids want. They want burgers and pizza. I was, I was in Japan for three days. For my first, my, like, on the third day I was in Japan, I went to the supermarket, and I bought some pasta. And I was standing in line, and a guy comes up to me, and he goes, he pointed at me, he goes, are you America? And I go, yes. And he goes, do you like hamburger? And I go, no. And he just looked like I sit on his shoe, and he goes, oh, and walked away. So that's, that's why that happens. He's telling that same story right now from his perspective. Yeah, he is. Like literally right now, once I asked this guy if he liked hamburgers, and he was like, no. What a jerk. I like, um, I like the little road apple blobs in, um, in Bubsy. Oh, yeah. Wait, what? You mean, uh, I don't... Balls? Oh, wait. Those are balls. I'm thinking, yarn, of, I'm thinking of darn, uh, uh, Crash Bandicoot. Oh. Yeah. When you said that, I was like, I like Crash Bandicoot. What are you thinking? Those, those, like, those, those, those apple looking, those little Macintosh apple looking apples. They're yeah. multicolored apples. Eating apples is such a gross sound. Yeah. There's this indie game called Kids Speedy, where you're kind of this uh, elementary school kid it, in the it, track meet, and uh, you're the slowest guy on the team, and the goal is not to win, but to not come in last. And there's a whole bunch of junk food on the track, and if you run into it, you slow down. That's pretty good. That makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. That's what happens. I like the fruits in Miss Pac-Man. I think those are good fruits. I think the pretzel's my favorite fruit. The pretzel's pretzel. a really good fruit. The, and then uh, the uh, like the Galaxian and the ship and the Galaga ship, that's delicious that's fruit in later version. Actually, really, just the dots in Pac-Man. I, I, I don't know what those taste like, but I yeah. really want them. I'm pretty sure they taste something like Calorie Mate. I thought they were like yeah. hints. Um, I, I always liked the... Uh, in some of the earlier Japanese games, I like the onigiri because it, the you know, the little rice triangle, yeah, the little rice ball, because yeah. they uh, they kind of engaged my imagination because I was you like, oh man, I know what it was. This 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 game came from a place where they eat rice triangles. I don't even know what that's about. Oh man, you know, handsome because guy puts it like right inside his head and his head just kind of like scrunches on it. That's really creepy. So, is our answer here uh, chickens from Streets of Rage too? Yeah, I yeah, think, I think so. that's our answer. Let's move that, on. Yeah. That sound is phenomenal, and and the the answer would be chili dogs in Sonic the Hedgehog if they would have actually put them in there. <laughs> yeah, yes. and if they made a comparable sound, <laughs> if they made sound, we need to get that sound into the podcast. Okay. Uh, what's the best real world location? We just need to have it a Metroidvania. 
Hello? Chernobyl? No, Hi. Good. How you doing, Jazzy? Did you get cut off? Yeah, it got cut off. Uh, we're, we're still here. We're doing a podcast, Jaffe. Okay, great. Well, what's the best real-world location to set a Metroidvania? Yes. Chernobyl. Yes. Chernobyl? Wait, yeah. but isn't Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl set in Chernobyl? Doesn't mean you can't yeah. set another game in Chernobyl. That's not a Metroidvania. Yeah. Um, I have an answer, actually. I have a good answer. Let's hear uh, The Strip in Las Vegas. Uh, all the casinos, not all of them, but a lot of them are just connected in weird ways, like underground yeah. tunnels and overpasses and stuff. Yeah. And they all have different themes, and uh, I think that would be a really cool Metroidvania. I think uh, I think that would work really well, actually, especially because there's a whole... I mean, Dead Rising 2 was kind of Las Vegas, wasn't it? But it, it kind of flaked out on actually having fun with the location, and it was just like, yay... Uh, Dead Rising game. I think it was just an excuse for the uh, for the developers to go to Vegas a few times. Yeah, which I'm sure <laughs> they really enjoyed because they got to smoke a lot of cigarettes and drink a lot of whiskey or whatever. And I really want to play this game now. Like you go to the Circus Circus and you're like jumping on balloons and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, you got like a sword. Yeah, you go to New York and New York and you get mugged. You know, it's great. And you mm-hmm. go to the Paris and you've got to have a like boss fight on their mini Eiffel Tower. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I'd do that. I'd play that. I imagine, the final bo- I imagine the final boss would be Howard Hughes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Be, uh, Mr. Wynn, I think. A godsized well, Howard Hughes. Well, the Howard Hughes has three transformations, so the final one's got some size. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The game could be like Vegas 1962 or something. It could be. Oh my god. It could be set in like old Vegas. Al Pacino's uh, in it. Wait, you should play as Al Pacino. Oh, Al Pacino with a sword jumping on balloons. Yes. Yeah. Oh, sure. I'll play that. There you go. Video are games the balloons are popping? After all. Are they are they like uh, the the Carnival Zone in Sonic Three, and like the balloons kind of pop and you bounce on them? Yeah, they pop. You jump on them, they pop, and you 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 bounce up, and then more balloons are always coming from the bottom. But and then when you, when you bounce up, you do your double jump, and he does a spin attack with the sword too. Obviously. Yeah, it's a really I, frustrating I, level though because sometimes with your spin attack with the sword, you uh, pop, pop the balloons. balloons right. Yeah, I would want to see a Metroidvania set in, uh, and this is just kind of going right back to the concept. Like Metroid in Japanese is like a combination of the word Metro and Ido, which is means well. So the the idea for Metroid was that it was like imagine a subway Metro subway like that just goes on forever, like like a well is just like deep and unknowable or whatever. It's like the, where the name of Metroid came from, apparently. So I thought, I think it would be cool to actually set, when I first heard that, I, I thought, what if there were a game actually set in the subway tunnels and subway stations of Tokyo? That would be kind of neat. Yeah, or the ones in uh, in Paris, because they keep discovering new ones and then filling them up yeah. with foam to keep the city from collapsing. Yeah, there's all those old ones, and uh, there's, like, subway ruins. And yeah. in, in Japan, there are, like, subway stations, like, platforms that have never been used. Like, right. Yurakucho Station has, like, a, a subway platform that's never been used. That's kind of wow. cool, because you could fill those with demons and whatever. Oh, man, uh, Kowloon Walled City, if it still existed. Well, we can set it. Back you can then. set it back in the past, yeah. That that thing is insane. That was like a a couple city blocks just built up into uh, infinity in human terms, basically. With just you could you could do everything you needed in there from getting 
food to get in your teeth worked on to get in a haircut. Have you ever been to some of the suburbs in Korea, Brandon? Like some of the suburbs of Seoul? There's these like 13-story mega tower shopping complexes with like 20-story apartment buildings on top of them. Yeah, yeah, hey, I've Brandon, only seen them. I think you just—I think you just planned the next Assassin's Creed. Oh, oh man! Yeah, there you that go. Would be a crazy place for an Assassin's Creed. Oh, if ever I wanted to oh play no! That. You shouldn't have even made that connection because they're gonna—they're gonna rip that right off. Yeah, right. don't listen to this podcast, Ubisoft. But Jade Raymond, get out of my head. <laughs> Jade, Jade Raymond, if you want to be on our podcast, we'll have you. But otherwise, don't listen. If you're Raid Jamond, though, no way. No deal. Absolutely not. Raid Jamond, come on. Okay, I like so all of these answers a lot. Yeah, like, yeah, gonna, I mean, it would be cool to have, like, Indiana Jones in Las Vegas. Oh, man. No, as, I think but Al Pacino as Indiana Jones. As, we're pretty much settled in Al Pacino's Vegas adventure. I like yeah. that. I like that one as an idea. Yeah, that works. Like, yeah, because, I mean, that would involve a whole lot of art and level design, whereas setting it in subway tunnels... And, or Kowloon Walled City, you could just kind of make it like they're already like a video game. Yeah, yeah but Al Pacino's Vegas Adventure would have a lot of colors. Yeah, yeah, you would yeah. you would have to be like actually creative. Yeah. How do you it. open the yellow orange doors though? How Card keys, security, yeah. security keys, security keys. That's kind of boring. It should be something oh, cooler. Like, oh Mom, man, every chaos. casino, every casino would have a high roller area that you have to. Uh, fight a bunch of dudes in order to get into the high roller area. You need to, like, get a key to get in. Well, yeah, no, you have to get the huge coin that you drop into the slot and then you pull the handle to get in. Yeah, oh, yeah. man, completionists yeah. will love the MGM Grand with its 10,000 rooms, uh, some of which have health power-ups or... <laughs> it's like it's like Super Mario 6 Golden Coins, where you need a token from each major casino to open up the final door. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And there's there a, a fight against uh, two tigers... From Siegfried and Roy? Yeah. If Cirque du Soleil would be a boss. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, I man, want to play man, this game. game so bad. Joan Rivers. I want this to be real. Be yeah. It's been said that Bioware is the Joss Whedon of video game developers. How Whoa. about this comparison? Whoa. Um, <laughs> what was the second half I don't half really of the care question? for Joss Whedon. How, how apt is the comparison? Oh, well... Not? Like, well, I don't even get the comparison. I don't either. Josh, uh, who, who said that? I, 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 know, I know somebody said that. I wouldn't put it past people, because they, god darn, adults say the darndest things, I'll tell you what. Yes, I've heard this term, ba- this phrase bandied about all o- over this uh, wide internet. internet of ours. So um, the, the implication is that uh, it takes hundreds and hundreds of game developers to equal one mediocre uh, director? Is that well, what the implication is? We're not is? calling Joss Whedon uh, one mediocre director. He oh, is, I was doing that. He is a person which has a bunch of people making his stuff for him, so he's not he's not completely incapable of wrangling people into his productions. Yeah, but he'd have, to be the, uh, he'd have to be the Ray Muzika and Greg Zeschuk then. Greg Zeschuk. I think uh, what is meant by it is that the storytelling style of Bioware is reminiscent of Joss Whedon's storytelling style. I'm going to tell you guys what. I saw the Avengers more than once, and that was pretty good. Uh, Joss Whedon, he, uh, apparently all he did was punch up that script. 
and then he directed the movie. I don't want to say nothing about his directing the movie, but he punched up a couple of one-liners, right? Whereas uh, Mass Effect, I'm sorry, uh, like, there's every single line in those games is just, just, well, I'm echoing. Uh, Every single line in those games is just, like, made of solid wood, you know? There's, like, no fun. It seems like no writer had any fun on that game. I know literally That's millions of people who would disagree with you. Yeah, they. Uh, I they don't, don't understand those millions of people. They don't. Uh, they don't know what they're missing because uh, I've I've read some books and I've I've seen some movies and I understand. I'm not. I'm not trying to be a jerk. Okay, I am. Uh, I'm not totally trying to be a jerk. Uh, there's probably some kids out there who ain't ever seen a good movie. They're just you know ten years old and they've got Mass Effect. And if I were a ten year old right now. Thank God I'm not, because kids are gross. I, I would totally be probably just playing Mass Effect. When I was a kid, we had to read books, because, you know, what else are you going to do? No Game Boys, even. You got a test on Friday over that book. You yeah, you got a test it. on the book, and it's like, we don't have a Game Boy. We don't have an iPhone. You know, don't have a Game Book. You don't have a Game Book. Game Book would be a good portable name. Pitch that in Korea, Brandon. Okay, Tim, well, I don't think you've ever sounded more like an old man than you do right now. Oh, I'm not. I'm not fighting it. You know, I'm not fighting comparison. <laughs> so I mean, I uh, I've enjoyed Bioware's games, and I thought that the writing was inoffensive, and it wasn't spectacular. It didn't blow my mind, but it didn't annoy me pretty much ever. And uh, Joss Whedon is kind of, I guess, about the same. He's just a guy who's there, and it's okay. And there you go. So I guess for me, it's it's apt because it's just. People whose stories I don't really need to pay attention to. You just kind of sit down and drink it. Yeah, it's like okay, here just, I'm having, I'm having an experience. It's yeah, what, a, it, what I find interesting about this phrase is that it's uh, equally applied by people who love Bioware and Joss Whedon and people who hate Bioware and Joss Whedon. But I'm I'm apathetic toward both, and uh, it still applies to you. I guess it still applies. Um, I'm saying it doesn't apply because when I think Joss Whedon, I think quips, right? I think quippiness, snappiness, yeah. punchiness. Okay. But Bioware's, I mean, no offense. I'm not saying this uh, in in offense for either of them, but Bioware's games are not quippy in terms of dialogue and they're not punchy in terms of dialogue or writing they're also not punchy as games they're kind of sit down and experience it kind of things you have to like really be engrossed in it whereas for Joss Whedon I don't feel like it's engrossing I feel like it's constant release of brain chemicals because of the one-liners and all that I I have to say that that was said more eloquently than I could, but that's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, don't I, people don't people say right. about him that uh, that he like plays with narrative structure and does interesting things? I've never seen it, but um, uh, I've seen people say that. I, I don't really agree with that. I don't agree with it personally. I but, mean, uh, with Joss Whedon, there's there's at least like witty quips and all that, and a, a Bioware game like the conversations are like a conversation between two slightly angry people who are dealing with each other. They aren't, like... Tension is what they call that in, narrati- <laughs> in, in a narrative. So, in, in, in Joss Whedon is... Uh, yeah, so you're saying about narrative forms. I guess people do say he does stuff with narrative, it, but all it is is he's applying his quippiness to story structure. So it's like uh, what he'd be doing is... Uh, 
uh, like they say, oh, I didn't like in Avengers when they glossed over a big plot point by some guy just shrugging and go, yeah. You know, but I mean, that's that's what he does. And I think that Bioware just puts this elephant-sized importance on everything. And it's just it just kind of feels dead and heavy. So our final verdict is Joss Whedon is in no way anything at all like Bioware. Oh, I, I mean, in terms of genres and delivery methods, maybe, but in the in the minute particulars, I would say no. All right. They both they both have like fan followings. I guess that's the only thing that I you know they they both kind of have cult followings. I should say. My yeah, the, the big conclusion for me, their fans kind of look similar. <laughs> right. And they overlap. But you know. I think that's Look. a good final note. Uh, we're going to go right into the break over here. So uh, you guys sit tight while we uh, do some business type stuff. Breaking. Fra- break. Uh, Frank, do you want to introduce this next clip? Sure. So um, I am working on a little retrospective of the first couple of years of Nintendo Power because it's it's all dead and stuff now. And uh, I recently spoke to Fun Club president Howard Phillips, who is uh, working on some unknown thing that's probably an iOS game, because that's what everyone does now. Um, and we talked about a whole lot of stuff, but in particular in this clip, uh, we talked about bow ties. And uh, it's extremely relevant to absolutely everything that we're going to talk about in this hour, uh, to talk about bow ties. So uh, here it is. <laughs> Back in that time period, in the late 70s and early 80s, it was polyester suits and fat wide ties, and I didn't I didn't like them. I mean, I you know like everybody, you know, try and be hip and wear that whatever was cool clothes. But but seriously, I I had worked many a number of years in the restaurant business and and loved just servicing people and making people have a great time and also making a restaurant run really fast, which means you're just cruising up and down the aisles and going around corners quickly and things like that. Well, if you wear a long tie, when you do that, you can feel it. You can actually feel it as you go around the corners. And for whatever reason, it just always would bug me that I had this, you know, this pendulous piece of cloth hanging from my neck while it was kind of goofy. I guess, in, you know, if you, if you don't think about it, it seems normal, but if you think about it, it's a weird thing that guys go around with this, you know, noose of cloth hanging around their neck. So anyway, a bow tie, great thing. Nice, tight, close to the neck, still gets you the kind of dress-up look that you need sometimes for business or whatever. And so I, I wore a bow tie at my wedding. I, I wore them for a number of years. And then, uh, and then after uh, Nintendo and things got... Um, kind of more casual, and I was out of the out of the kind of corporate limelight. I could, you know, dress down like a real developer, you know. And 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 you know, it's like like now I I don't wear shoes a lot of the time during the summer because who cares why I wear shoes, you know? So that sort of thing. So just got just got casual, but you know, it was all me. And you know, and the whatever the Tucker Carlsons and the Bill Nyes and all those guys are follow-ons as far as I'm concerned. You know, good good for them. Let let them let them do whatever they want with with their their bow ties. Welcome back to the Insert Credit Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gorblacks Jaffe. Joining me this week are Frank Safaldi. Hi. Tim Rogers. Tim, was that you? 
Yeah, that was me. Uh, Brandon Sheffield. It's a good thing I put my headphones back on just as you started saying that stuff. And Brent Nice. Brent Porter. Hello. Hi, Brent. Here's question number six on this podcast of ours. How can war games make D-Day interesting again? Oh, my God. More graphics. As graphic technology (laughs) advances, as graphics get better, we might as well use D-Day as the... uh, Standard. The look what graphics can do now as a benchmark. I'm I'm being like twenty percent dead serious here, and then eighty percent a jerk. Like uh, Star Wars games reusing the Battle of Hoth, right? Mm-hmm. You know that that was like the it's like we got new tech now. Look at this, you know, more graphics, more particle effects. I want to see that mist of those waves breaking. You know, I want to see sand getting kicked up. You want to play the first ten minutes of Saving Private Ryan? Again and again, yes. But um, it's like I each would of these say... levels like a different director's take on it. Oh, that is good. That is yeah. real good. Wow. What if, what, like, a whole game that's just different interpretations of D-Day? Yes. Mm-hmm. Just, the, just the beach of Normandy over and over and over again? Ten different marines. <laughs> Has anyone done yet a game about a uh, a mother... Uh, waiting to hear news of her son's uh, success or demise based on D-Day. Uh, Peter Sounds, like some indie. Sounds like some indie art game trash to me. It sure does. <laughs> it sure does, but that's how you can make it interesting again via indie art game trash. Yeah, that sounds like something the Peter Molyneux fake Twitter account would come up with. Yeah, that guy. Well, that, guy that could be why I led that game jam thing. Oh, yeah. Old jamming. Did you jam a lot of stuff? Did you jam it in? And I hope you like jamming, too. (laughs) With a name like Smuckers. Yeah. It has to be good. Do not sip that in the mic ever again. Yeah, 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 that was really gross. I hated that a lot. I did that on purpose. For a guy who gets really hung up on eating noises, that was kind of inexcusable. It uh, It was also in my head. Probably about six times louder because did, my did not need to share that with everyone because my right ear is closed up. That was my speaking, per, that was my personal D Day. What do you speaking of? So so if we're gonna make a game out of ten different directors' interpretations of D Day, the game should just be called D. How's that? That's mm, I, was thinking, I was thinking D Days with a Z. D Week Days. Maybe D Week, and there are seven different interpretations of it. <laughs> that could be hot. That could be really hot. I think the 10 different D-Day perspectives, uh, lots of graphics, call it D. And it could there be already in- a game called D? Well, yeah, but it's, that, that's, you know, it's gotta be okay now. People have forgotten it. So call it D and have it be in 3D. 3D is a way to get people back into D-Day. Call it 3D Day. <laughs> so call it call it A Day and and make it all about uh, people getting good grades on their tests. I think if Activision made it, they could call it, trilo- it. You can make it a trilogy, and the last game would be 3D Day Three. How about this? Call of Activision's Call of Duty D in 3D. <laughs> I think they could do that. You mean you need the official game of the movie on the end of that? Call of D-Day? Call of D-Day. That's good. I'd play that. Call of Duty's had D-Day in it, hasn't it, a couple times? That's pretty much the premise of Call of Duty up until 4. Oh, yeah, then that's when they went to Modern Warfare. Yeah. Oh, man, Call of Duty Modern D-Day. 
modern E Day. <laughs> oh Wait, my you god! Just, like, go to Normandy right now. Yeah, you go to Normandy right now, and there's aliens. <laughs> How's that, huh? I'm in. Why does right now always translate to aliens with you? Just in time for Labor Day. <laughs> Wait, like, what? Labor? Labor Day's on Monday. Labor Day is on Monday, isn't it? Yeah, we got to hurry up. Uh, man, are we going to celebrate? I'm going to uh, celebrate by being in Korea. Yeah, you're going to – that should be a lot of work. Yep. Doing your work in Korea on Labor Day. You're not supposed to work on Labor Day, even though it's a day about working. Well, I'll be in Korea, so it doesn't. Uh, American laws no longer apply. Oh, the banks will be open at least. Doesn't yeah. Labor Day have extradition laws? Oh no! Oh crap! <laughs> Looks like you lose. I also wore white after Memorial Day, so or is it before? What are you not supposed it's, to do? You're not supposed to wear after white Labor after Labor Day. Oh. Okay, I'm going to bring a lot of white, and then... I'm wearing green worse. right now. Yeah. We've veered severely off topic, so let's move yeah, on Yeah, Labor to Day has nothing question. to do with D-Day. No, wait, I'm, I'm not done. Okay, Labor Day. Make a Metroidvania about D-Day. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're you're navigating the sandbags, and you're just trying to get to the top of the hill. And it's I just feel like we should maybe leave D-Day alone, and just, uh, I think we can renew interest in it by letting people not think about it for a while, and then revisit it in, like, 30 years. No, an- annual franchise. Annual franchise. I- I'm saying, uh, I-, I think my-, my original jerk answer has now become my real answer, and that is... <laughs> use uh, it as a graphics benchmark? Yeah, use it as a graphics benchmark, because it's so familiar. Uh, and Unreal Engine 4 is coming. Let's see the day in Unreal Engine 4. Oh, you will. I mean, let's bring it, baby, you know? Okay. I got a TV. What? I'll watch it. I'll take a look at it. Saving Private D-Day. D-Day. <laughs> Maybe your character is actually named D-Day. Now is oh uh, is that is the game Medal of Honor or is it Medal of Honor? I think it's Honor. <laughs> really? Yeah, because I was I thought it was supposed to be Honor, and I kept pronouncing it Medal of Honor. I think it's one guy's name, Madalif Honor. <laughs> Madalif Honor. <laughs> <laughs> That was absolutely terrible. Uh, that was pretty good. Defend the oft-maligned escort mission. No. I like escort missions. I can like ex- escort missions. They, they can be done well. Um, you know, yeah, I think they, they could be good. They just Most of the time it's like, okay, the AI of this character is going to run straight into the enemy and you have to abandon all the tactics we've ever taught you and just try to keep it alive. And that's not fun. Here's my defense. It's a great idea, and uh, AI has perhaps not evolved far enough yet for it to be executed well. So let's just keep prototyping it, and then eventually it'll be really cool. It's one of those things that raises a quote-unquote red flag from people very often. They're like, oh, i got to escort a guy? This game must suck. It's like, I remember when Metroid Prime came out, and people were like, you have to backtrack. Games aren't about backtracking anymore. Backtracking is about the past. You know, backtracking sucks, and it's like, yeah, but it's fun because you get new stuff, right? So I think escort missions can be okay, and I think this is maybe not a perfect example, but Gears of War, when you're playing two-player co-op and you have I to was, split up, man, and, and you're, you're defending that. a real person, like a real person is down there fighting, and it's sometimes their fault when they die, so it's not even AI, that's great. That is an escort mission, but it's great. So. Yep, that the, was that the was best exactly escort what I was mission. 
the best escort mission is the type where um, you escort, <clears throat> excuse me, you escort the person to the place that they're already at, meaning they don't move, and you just defend them. Maybe that person's like a tower or something, and then yeah, yeah, like you're defending an area. You're you're like playing goalie uh, in in a soccer game that uses the rules of the game that you're playing. Defending. As long as they're escorting to the same place that they're at, it works fine. Yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not like guiding them down a canyon or whatever. Oh, the whole game eco is an escort mission, and people like that. Yeah. Yep. The entire goddamn game is an escort mission. Well, no, the the parts where she's actually in danger are not really the game. Those are just like the filler in between the actual game, which is the puzzle solving. It, it still is. You still have you still have to escort her uh, up those walls and stuff and. And, uh, right, but uh, I think the complaints most people have with escort missions is that the AI is just getting itself killed all the time, and that's not really true in Eco at any point. Sure, but it is an escort mission, so it's an example oh, yeah. of an okay one. Isn't I Resident Evil 4 that. everyone's favorite Resident Evil, and that's very escort mission heavy? It's yeah, but people don't like that part, really. Basically yeah. a string of interconnected escort missions. I think the best way to do an escort mission is have uh, a solid like 100% uh, like path that the person you're escorting takes every time they take the exact same path, and then uh, the enemies have to pop up in the exact same places every time, so you're memorizing something. Well, kind of like the sniper section of Metal Gear Solid 2. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a pretty that's, good score mission. That, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good one that I think they drew on in Gears of War, thinking, what if that guy moving were a real guy? Through there's, a, there's a kind of escort mission that I... Um, actually kind of like which is it's sort of a a new sort of tower defensey thing and uh that princess pajama game that i became number one in the world at on ipad for some stupid reason is this kind of game where uh you start at one end of the uh of the field and there are enemies coming from the other and you can spawn enemies as well but if you move forward with your more powerful character which is your main guy the uh, the princess follows you as well, and both you and she can take damage. And if either of you dies, then it's game over. But you have all these people that you can send ahead of you. So essentially, you have this uh, just this fragile thing that you're protecting. She also heals you and gives you buffs and stuff. So oh it's yeah, I like I like her. getting buffs. Yeah, buffs are cool. But um, sh- uh, essentially, it's it's a it's a risk reward thing where you. Rather than feeling like, oh man, the stupid AI went and did a stupid thing, you feel like, well, I guess I shouldn't have gotten so close then, because then she got close and then she got killed. Well, that's too bad for her. It, it makes it uh, it makes it so that it's your fault, and I th- I think that's you want to feel like in an F- escort mission, if you if if you lose, it's your fault, not the uh, the dumb computer doing a dumb thing. Yeah, it's it's kind of a complicated thing because, like, in Eco, I think the reason it gets a pass with people is because, again, it's not really a legitimate escort situation. She's kind of like another part of your character that you're controlling a lot of the time or you're just leaving her around. So it's almost like your character is this complicated kind of two-pronged two thing. It's not actually having to worry about escorting someone. So... Again, it seems like, you know, AI just has to get better because whenever that thing's left by itself to do whatever, like, things go bad. Yeah, with Eco, I mean, she might as well be, like, a heavy crate or something that you're moving around. You're not, like, 
You know, yeah, you're not, not, you're not escorting really anything there. You're just kind of dragging her around. Yeah. I think that one thing that helped with Eco, though, is that they established her right off the bat as this kind of spacey, wandering character that couldn't really do things because she was all ethereal and otherworldly and things. So you, you kind of knew from the start that she was going to be a bit helpless because that was the kind of character they presented you with, which I think probably helped sell it. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I yeah, think it's thematically. I think that fundamentally an escort mission assumes that, like, just from the base level, the person or thing that you're escorting is weak and needs escorting. So people always complain about the AI or whatever, and can you beef up the... Well. Oh, well. Which real-life sport translates most accurately into its video game counterpart? Frog golf. Soccer's really good. NBA Jam, the real-life sport. Ninja golf. NBA Jam. NBA Jam Tournament Edition, the real-life sport. Yeah. Baseball. I think soccer makes for really good video games, and Virtua Tennis uh, make really good mm. tennis games that have a lot of the, the depth of tennis, and uh, there's like ball control and everything. It's usually really, really comes through really clearly in Virtua Tennis. Like those games, I mean... I watch a lot of tennis. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew this about me, but I'm a I'm a really big tennis guy. Really? I like tennis. Yeah. You're not that big. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm 150 pounds as of this morning. All so, right. Uh, like I yeah I like like the tennis a lot and Virtua Tennis really there's that you know stupid thing people always say it's like watching a real game on TV and it's like you watch Madden and it no offense to Madden I think Madden's really cool but uh, I actually do. Like sadden. Oh, it saddens me. That Y'all, got like that sadden? Y'all got that sadden? Y'all got that So it's like, if you look at Madden, it's like, it's so ropey and weird and robotic. Like, sometimes they're just moments of roboticism uh, in the portrayal of the sport that just really snap me out of looking at it. But if you watch two high-level virtual tennis players playing in, like, an arcade in Japan where they, they play it like it's a fighting game with joysticks and buttons and all that. It's like, that's that's how legit Virtua Tennis is. Uh, like, if you watch it, it actually does look like real tennis, like when people are playing it correctly. I mean, I wouldn't mistake it for uh, a televised uh, sport sporting event, you know, because they have all those filters. It, it looks better than reality. It looks... More delicious than reality. You know, I think that uh, uh, kart racing looks way better in video games than than it plays in real life. reality. Yeah, yeah Super sure. Mario Kart looks a lot better than like real life Mario Kart. Way more fun. I, I would say Gran Turismo, the sport of driving, comes across really well in Forza and Gran Turismo. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I like that you, you said uh, Gran Turismo comes across. Comes across really well in Forza and Gran Turismo. No, I said Gran Turismo. Yeah, uh, and no, I get it. It's a, it, it could have been interpreted. I that did way. say the sport of driving before I said that. So maybe maybe I got cut off. Maybe there's Skype problems. God darn. But <laughs> I think I think the sport of driving comes across well in Forza and Gran Turismo. I think the the sport of judo comes across comes across pretty well in that. Uh, in that Hyper Neo Geo 64 game, Baruki 1. That's pretty cool. What about professional wrestling? Puro Race. Yeah. Puro Race. 
Yeah, what about um, UFC? UFC uh, looks good. I think that UFC looks okay, but um, it it's it you can't have the complexity of what actually happens in a match because you you just it's, can't have all the variations of. It looks ropey and weird, and people need to stop making the mistake of believing that because Ukes has made a lot of wrestling games that they must be good at it. How did that ever happen? How did like their games are so bad? And whenever they're good, it's by it's like by accident, by sheer accident. And the UFC games are the best games they've ever made, but they're still just so ropey and weird. They have pretty good uh, animation in there, though, and and like body interpolation, so they're not so they actually are grabbing each other with and pretty much look like they're doing it without being horrifying. And yeah, clipping through each other and stuff. So no. my my serious answer to this question: Number one, virtual tennis. Number two, NBA Two K uh, Eleven and up. Number three, y'all got that, Madden. Uh, well, I would also no. add a lot of golf games to that. I meant to say number three was uh, uh, Pro Evolution Soccer. Number four was y'all got that, Madden. Okay. Okay. Continue then. Uh, golf games. <laughs> golf games uh, to me feel like what it would be like if I was. Naturally practiced at playing golf. Right. Y'all got that Tiger Woods. I don't understand how you translate a team sport accurately to a video game. Right. Yeah, it's difficult. Well, um, those I think many people in that Europe would was, say. Was the question team sports? No, the question was, no, was, was general. Just, so I assumed all but, the sports uh, would be regular sports. I thought you would hit golf and tennis. But uh, foot, football manager. Those those football manager games. Um, those those guys in the United K really enjoy that sort of thing, and it's management of sport though. Well, management of a sport. Okay, it's sort of a sport. Like the the, the way the game presents it is sort of a sport. Uh, I would say those like I, I, in in the Korea, I used to watch a lot of people play Winning Eleven like competitively and. Like, it, it looks really good. It looks really, like, I mean, even back in 2003, it looked really legit as a sport. Like, it, it, like, it really looked, like, very natural. But I still would say Virtua Tennis is my favorite. Speaking of Korea, maybe the answer is actually StarCraft. LOL. LOL. I mean, it's a really good interpretation of really doing that sort of thing. It, 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 but it, it, I mean, I'm, I'm half serious because, Esports are a legitimate thing now, and it is kind of the king of the esports. And uh, not for long, though. Yes, for long. No, not for long. Me and Porter are gonna make it better. No spoilers, Tim. Let's let the video game. <laughs> let's let the video game populace discover that one when it comes out. Yeah, they will. Uh, here's question nine. Okay. What? What will the repercussions be once Wreck-It Ralph shatters all of the box office records? Oh, is it gonna is it gonna wreck it? Is are the records the record is what it's gonna wreck? <laughs> it's uh, gonna really uh, mess up eBay prices for old video games. Is actually what's gonna happen. I don't know if it'll do much more than that. I'm gonna go see that movie. It's got that John C. Riley in it. That guy's legit. But like if, so if if you want a copy of Super Mario Brothers, buy it right now for a dollar because it's gonna be like twenty dollars when the movie comes out. Yeah, the holiday season's going to be a little bit tricky. <laughs> a little bit. Frank, do you want to go see Wreck-It Ralph when it comes out? Uh, I do. All right, let's. You want to see it too, Brandon? 
Um, I kind of don't, but I guess if you guys are going to see it. This comes yeah. up with November 6th. Why do I know I that? I don't know why I know that. Let's not, <laughs> let's not continue on that path. But uh, well, You probably know that because there are signs on every part. All over the place. Uh, near. I, I, I don't know if uh, listeners of the Insert Credit Podcast know this, but I live right next to Pixar, and uh, there's just a whole bunch of billboards around here. But the Pixar Rick- has nothing to do no, it was it was originally a Pixar project that became a Disney project. Oh, really? That's no. what that's what Mike Micah said. Well, so, he knows some things. So. Mike Micah knows a lot of stuff about Wreck It Ralph. He's excited as heck about that. Wreck It Ralph looks pretty cool. I think it looks like yeah. it could be funny. What? You don't think it looks cool, Brandon? I really don't think it looks cool. Why? Because you're joyless. Is that well, what? it's partially because I'm joyless. Let's not oh, discount old, that fact. Good old partial joyless. But. uh... <laughs> But um, it just—it looks super pandering and silly, and like maybe maybe if I were five or six and had played a video Zang- game by the time Zangief's I was five. Zangief's in it, man. Come on, Zangief, man. Yeah, I put all sure. the references in there. Chun Li, well. Okay, here's a question. How? Chun Li's in there. Yeah, in there, man. Okay, I'm definitely opening night. Okay. How quick Donkey Kong? for uh, the first all your base reference in that movie? Brandon Pac-Man's in it. How quick do you think? How many minutes? Terry Bogard's in it. I think the better go... question would be, what's the start to crate on that movie? Ooh. Oh, God, that's a really good question. We're going to have to have that figured out. So all your base will happen after he's escaped his first sort of video game. Uh, he's going to go, right. all my base are belong to me. Well, no, it's going to happen once he's in another game, I think. So I'm going to go... Just based on the three-act structure of a movie, assuming 20 minutes, I'm going to go about minute 42. Okay. Minute 42 for the start to crate? Or, uh, for, for, all your for, for all your base. Start to all your base? Yeah. Man, I'm the only person, I guess, who hasn't heard of this. I just watched the video, uh, trailer for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's going on, everybody? Help me out here. Yo, what do you think? How is it? What's your opinion? Well, I could I couldn't hear uh, I couldn't hear it, but uh, you don't have there, to. There's a whole bunch of actual video game characters, uh, yeah. dude, dudes in there. Uh, what what's going on? Yeah, what is it? turned upside down. Right Some now. are like saying Toy Story, but with video games. So Someone's finally making that movie. Video games are Toy Story with already video games right on top of them. Like what? Yeah, yeah. Here's what's actually going to happen. You're going to see a whole lot more games that are nostalgic just for the sake of being nostalgic. Oh, yeah. Like, you're going to see a lot more Retro City Rampages sort of games. I've been playing that on Steam. Oh, is it out? Uh, no, I got a I got a code. Oh, yeah, he gave me a code, too. I didn't know you could get games on Steam before they were out. Yeah, it's, uh, there's, I didn't know it either, but there it is. Cool. It's, 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 it's Retro City Rampage is a bit of a Wreck-It Ralph the video game kind of game. Yeah, exactly. And you're going to see more of that sort of thing. You're going to see more like self-referential, old-school-ish video games. You're going to see probably a lot more like badly done um, vintage pixel art that isn't really accurate at all. And, oh, man. And like, like Chinese knockoff pixel art? Yeah. And uh, you know, it has like like 18 colors instead of 16. And just, it just looks slightly off, you know, sort of thing. Um yeah, I think that's what you're going to see. I think you're going to see a lot of people sort of cashing in on that feeling because I think a lot of people already want to make that kind of game, and I think they're not because they don't, they're not sure there's a market for it, and I think Wrecky Ralph's going to prove that there is, and we're going to see a whole lot of crappy uh, uh, nostalgic for the sake of being nostalgic games. Aren't we already inundated with that? 
Yeah, but it's going to be more. It, it blew my mind to come to America after being in Japan for a couple of years and just see like Mega Man T-shirts at Hot Topic, like people wearing those. It's like, when did that happen? Yeah, I didn't even know when it happened, and it's like obviously still pretty cool. So, is Wreck It Ralph going to be like that Scott Pilgrim movie, except like popular? It'll, yeah, it'll be popular. I think so. Oh man, I'm wondering. Uh, what the what the video game of Wreck It Ralph will be like because they you know it'll be a social they, game on Facebook. They may have gotten the rise of all these characters for the mood, but to put the character game that would be another thing entirely. No, I think Wreck It Ralph R- Ralph is a character in a video game, so they're gonna make that game. They have made that game. They did make that game. Huh? It's an arcade cabinet. Let's play it. Where is it? Um, it was at E3. And it was at Classic Gaming Expo when I went. And it's a really good fake old game. It's yeah, I played it. It's on the Disney yeah. website. Oh, is it? Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, check it out. It's actually a really good facsimile of an old arcade game. And it's yeah. it's, it's an original old arcade game. It doesn't really feel like it's ripping any of the old ones off. It's and yet called feels uh, like Fix It Felix Jr. So yep. look that up. Wreck-It Ralph, Fix-It Felix. Yeah, Fix It Felix is the good guy. He's the good guy. Ralph wrecks it and Felix fixes it. So they they couldn't get Mario. So they man, you know why why couldn't they just make a Mario movie? It's like who framed Roger Rabbit? They're not going to use Bugs Bunny out and out. Mickey Mouse is in it. He's He's in in it, but it doesn't star him. I mean, I could imagine Mario making a surprise cameo, but you can't make the movie about him. If Mario is in that movie. I will scream. <laughs> it'll be it'll be way bigger than Chuck Norris and the Expendables. 2. I bet Mario and Sonic will show up at the same time. Oh God! Yeah. I will I will scream so hard that I throw up. They already have Bowser and Robotnik, right? Yeah, they've got Bowser and Robotnik. So, so Mario and Sonic are definitely in this movie. Wait a yeah. minute! Oh my God! You're right, Frank. Yeah. Oh God! Mario's going to be. Oh definitely man! Be in there. Maybe in like oh, Charles, Charles thing. Yeah. Will this be the only Charles Martinet uh, internet movie database credit? Let's find out. I have to play the screen crush, but I want to know this. Charles Martinet? Yeah. Is uh, if he's... Okay, well, I'm sorry. I forgot that the video games are in IMDb. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, man, there's too much stuff on here. Okay, oh, man, I'm he's... Called... <laughs> Am I allowed to speak of uh, Fine. Martinet? Do it. Is he in it? Uh, he was in an episode of Matlock. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, you want to know if he's in Wreck-It Ralph. Um, he's not currently credited on IMDb. For I think he's, he's in the first Kane and Lynch as well. Um, oh, was he? Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. He was in uh, Nine Months, whatever that is. Movie. All right, next question. About babies. Um, here's what we're going to do this time. Uh, I'm, I've kind of fused uh, question 10 and our lightning round together, and we're going to nice. play a game show. Okay. Oh, my God, I love those. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the title of a story on fanfiction.net, and based on that title, you have to guess what video game it's based on. Okay. Nice. Oh, I'm ready. Right. Our first one is, The Next Life Takes Memories With It. <laughs> yes, exactly. Whoa, That's exactly what I was gonna say. I swear. <laughs> Get a high five, be house. <laughs> that was the hardest one. That's right. amazing. I'm kind of the next life takes memories with. It. 
what? Yeah. God, is, it, next, where are they learning how to title stuff? Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> <laughs> Glory Games, the fight for freedom and justice. Oh my god, Glory Games, the fight for freedom and justice? Uh, um, Glory Games? God, that sounds really creepy. Uh, uh, Call of Duty? Nope. No, I don't know if that would have fan fiction. Um, I'm thinking Street Fighter? Um, that's a good guess, but no. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, incorrect. And I figured... <laughs> I think uh, oh, you, guys, you guys have one more guess because there are four of you. Alright, Porter, what's your guess? Glory Games, the fight for freedom? Um, Hercules 64. <laughs> that's, that's an excellent guess, but no, it was Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah, because Pokemon is all about there's like a sport within the context of right. the game. Uh, that that sense. Give me another. Number three is Fraternal Reflections. Fraternal Reflections. Fraternal. Yeah. Alright, Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. That's a good guess, but no. Come on. Oh man. Oh, come on. Is it, is it about brothers? Kind no, he can't, he can't give us a hint. I can't, Fighter. I can't get, I, I, Street Fighter. Tim, I have not read any of these fan fiction. Street Fighter. Is it about Street Fighter? No, it's not about Street Fighter. Why not? not Why not? Fighter. You're going to have to take it up with him. Not enough stuff fighter. about Street Fighter. Okay, so... Fraternal... I don't know fraternal it in context reflection. except for twins. Actually, Tim, there are 833 Street Fighter fanfictions on fanfiction.net. It's not enough. Okay, I'm going to go uh, Legend of Zelda. Uh, no. Okay. That's three guesses. You guys have one more. Forty. And I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's fraternity like in college, and uh, it's like Call of Duty. Bu- yeah. No. Oh it's, it's like it's like the bully, except he's he's in college now. I know what it is. I know what it is. What Brothers, is it? Brothers in Arms meets Mirror's Edge. That's a great guess, but no, <laughs> it was Final Fantasy VII. Okay. Fantasy Seven. There's no brothers in Final Fantasy. Cloud no. and Sephiroth are kind of brothers. They're sort of uh, brothers. I, I've been playing uh, Final Fantasy Seven. Now they're brothers that have sex with each other. I'm gonna hit this little action one instead. Yeah. Keep going. Next one. What do we got? Ixer the Wolf. What? Ixer the Wolf. How do you Can spell you... Ixer? Yeah. I C Z E R. Sonic the Hedgehog. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Shadow of the Hero. Shadow oh, of God. the Hero. Oh uh, man, Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> no, that's not my answer. That's not my answer. I'm trying to think of another one. Shadow of the Hero. Um, I'm thinking of stuff that would have fan fiction. I'm going to go Persona. Uh, no. Okay. Well, this isn't this isn't the answer, but I enjoy it. Um, Double Dragon Two, because you have to fight your shadow at the end. Ooh, and, and it is the that's a of great a answer, but no. Could have been Zelda 2. Uh, Zelda 2 Adventure of Link. It actually yeah, is a... Zelda 2 Adventure of Link. Nice. Oh. That's a good high five right there, Frank. Yeah. Well done. Murder yeah. at Vigil's Keep. What at Vigil's Murder Keep? Murder at Vigil's Keep? Yes, Murder, Murder at Vigil's Keep. Oh, oh, that's, that's, um, wait, no, it's not. <laughs> Morrowind. No. Oh, is it any of the Elder Scrolls? Uh, no, but you're on the right track. Man, I know what game this is because I played it. Yes, it's, that, it's a real location in the game. It's that friggin' game that was... That people didn't like it as much as the other oh, one. Man. Dungeon Siege uh, no. 3. No, it's not. What? Really? It's a game you played that none of us have? Well, apparently not. Well, I don't remember the names. 
towns and stupid games. Is it a Bioware game? Is it Baldur's Gate? Uh, uh, Brandon would not have played. Yes, it is a Brandon. Wait, game. Brandon played Dragon Age. Is it Dragon Age? It's Dragon Age. Oh my god, why did I know? Oh, damn it. I should have known that. I knew it was Brandon, one of Brandon, I remember Brandon saying he played Dragon Age while sick. And I'm like, it, it just struck me as weird that Brandon would have played Dragon Age. So I was running through my head uh, of uh, fantasy, dark fantasy games that Brandon had played. That's, That's really frustrating because the, of the, those are the two of those types of games, Dungeon Siege and... Uh, and Dragon, and Dragon Age. Age that I've played and I chose the wrong one. Dang uh, our next one is Endogenesis. Endogenesis? Yes. Endo so, like, is a... This, it's a type of weed. Endoskeleton, like a skeleton inside. So I think this is about um, something smoking endo. Something growing a skeleton? Smoking endo, what is that? Haven't you listened to uh, Snoop Dogg? That is weed. Hmm. So it's no. probably Dyad. That's a joke. Um, yeah, I don't think Dyad has any, uh, any what do you call it, uh, fan fiction. I need the, the, the title again. One more time. Endogenesis. Endogenesis. Final Fantasy VII. No. <laughs> really? God darn it. I'm going to go with uh, Robotron, Robotron 2084. 100% correct. I'm going to say Crunch figure, because why not? Who knows? Mass Effect. Resident Evil. Tim, you already got yours. Resident Evil. Resident Evil? Yeah. Okay. It's like kind of like virus Porter was going to guess I, Resident Evil. I did not have an answer. He was going to guess Resident Evil, so we got that one. Okay, okay. I'm going to count you as getting that one. The Subspace <laughs> Breakout. The Subspace Breakout. Super Mario Brothers 2. Metroid. No, no it's uh, Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Yes, Super Smash Brothers. Because Sp- Subspace is a reference to Super Mario Brothers 2. Yeah, that's, that's kind of easy. Yeah! Uh, Diary of an Imperial Prince. Diarrhea. Diarrhea. Diarrhea, Imperial Prince. No, Diary of an Imperial Prince. Prince so, of Persia. So it's a game about an empire. Yeah. Not Prince of Persia? No. no, it's not Prince of Persia. What about okay. Prince of the Persian Empire? <laughs> <laughs> what about Age of the Prince of the Persian Empire? No. Oh, Age of Empires, no. Well, there goes three of our guests. These are games I didn't, making up. I didn't, I, didn't make, I didn't answer yet. I, I didn't actually answer Persia, either. And then I joked. And then, and then I further joked. I made so, a joke about your joke. God. Diary of an Imperial Prince? Yes. Probably Star Wars. God darn it, there's a game with an Imperial something in it. Games with Empires. Final Fantasy VI has an Empire, but... Age of Empires? That has an Empire. It has like, so, a whole bunch of Empires. How, How would you guys have one more guess? How would you pick one Empire from Age of Empires for there to be a Prince of in your fanfiction? <laughs> your favorite you- Age. Yeah, I guess I would pick the Persian Empire, which leads us back to Prince of Persia, but that's not it. Which is clearly the answer. It's I was always the Persians in Age of Empires, too. Jeffy, I'm... don't lie to us. <laughs> I'm not lying to you! Diary don't lie to you! Diary of an Imperial Prince. Yes, you have Prince one more guess. Warrior with them. Uh, what? No, we already guessed Prince of Persia. <laughs> is it not Prince of Persia? I'm going to say fun. it's Prince of Persia. We're changing it to Prince of Persia. It's, it's Prince of Persia. Persia. Guys. Get that guy, get the writer on the horn, and yeah. tell him to change it. Diary of an Imperial Prince. What other games have empires? It's probably Skyrim or Morrowind or something. Our, we're, we're moving on to the next one, Tim. Well, Wait, what was it? It was Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem, that sounds right. Okay. That sounds like something somebody would write a fanfic of. This next one is called Programmed to Fight. Programmed to Fight. It's about a robot. This is about um, the cyborg character in the Street Fighter anime that is the star of the Street Fighter movie Saturn game that was only in Japan. 
Probably about Me- Mecha Jack from Tekken. Or no, Frank got it. It's that one. Which one? Really? No. Oh. oh. <laughs> you got straight lol trolled. Uh, what? So, <laughs> programmed to fight? Yes. Oh um, man, it's probably Sonic the Hedgehog, Mecha Sonic. And it's is it it's it's just these are just games. They're not things that are also movies, right? These are just video games. Yes. Okay. So it's definitely not Terminator 2. No, he wasn't programmed to fight. He was programmed to kill. Oh yeah, that's true. Programmed to kill with with minimum fighting involved, just to fight to kill right away. He didn't have a license for it though. Programmed to fight uh, on uh, man. I guess we already did Sonic, so it's not going to be Sonic again with Mecha Sonic. Mecha Sonic was not programmed to fight. He was He's programmed programmed to steal chaos emeralds. Yeah. Yeah, he was just programmed to get the M's. Uh, yeah, man. I already gave my answer, so I'm out. It's not Mecha Jack from Tekken? No, that's not my answer. That's a joke. That's totally a joke answer. <laughs> <laughs> was it Mecha Jack or was it Cyber Jack? Iron Jack? Steel Jack? Something like that? Regular Jack. Got Tekken blows. Uh, Jack Cheddar. God, I don't know. What other games have robots in them? Well, they don't have to be robots. It could be, like, mind programming. A machine? Yeah. Uh, well, well, it's it's got to be... No. All right, we, we haven't had Castlevania yet. There's no robots in Castlevania. Doesn't matter. There's no program. In Castlevania. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's good it, point, Frank. It, what about what about Mega Man? It's Mega Man. Man. Is it Mega Man from Campaign? Yeah, it's Mega Man. Is it a robot that's programmed to fight? Yeah. So it's wow. Man. How did it take me that long to think of? Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little disturbed by that. Uh, by anyway, I, that's ten of them. Do you guys want to keep going? Sure. Yeah, give us give us one more. Uh, just list on each. Just one more. Uh, let's see. Hear it. The continuing adventures of Bryn and Hanso. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's, That's all I got. I don't know. I'm not even gonna. <laughs> I don't. Bryn and, and Hanso. <laughs> These are actual video game characters, so you should recognize it off the bat. I don't oh. know any characters. Uh, man, I don't know what the heck. Goemon. No, Bryn. There's nobody named Bryn in Goemon. Could be. Goemon comes Hanzo. to America. You know there are people like shouting at the podcast right now. No, they're not. We, we're just recording it right now. Well, they can't listening to it. They're shouting. Maybe they're, <laughs> they're shouting at the last episode. Technically, if it's being uh, downloaded continuously, there's the screams will just never end. Ooh, kind of like everybody knows Bryn. Oh, it's Bryn and Hanso. I don't have these characters. Am I supposed to? Uh, actually, you should be really embarrassed if you knew these characters. So I have a good parody name, like for Mad Magazine, which is Brian and Hansoap. Yeah. <laughs> Brian and Hand Soap. There you Brian, go. Brian, Brian, B-R-I-N-E. Yeah. I like Brian too. It turns out Brian and Hand Soap are two main characters from Neo Pets. Neo Pets. What the heck? That was impossible. I'm glad I didn't know Neo Pets. Porter definitely had that one. Yeah, Porter definitely. Yeah, had I was reading the magazine, but yeah, I got that. Actually, one. I'm Don't pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Porter was going to say Digimon. So I've got a little digital Digimon. Do you, do you have fun with it sometimes? No, I've never had fun with it one time. I should have guessed Yu-Gi-Oh. I want to do one more and then we can stop. Okay, okay. one more. Yu-Gi-Oh. I uh, hope it's triumphant one. Gem of, of the Mojave. What? Say it again. Gem of the Mojave. Gem, it's about a desert, right? Yep. Yep. And um, the Mojave Desert. Friggin' Mojave Desert. looking, the Mojave. Is it Mojave or Mojave? It's Mojave. Mojave. Is it uh, Fallout New Vegas? Uh, yes, it is Fallout New Vegas. 
Frank, you That's did it. It's the Mojave Desert. How do you write fan fiction about a Fallout game? Uh, there's like, plenty of it. I recommend you read it on your own time. Maybe our next podcast could just be me reading fan fiction. Because <laughs> isn't fan fiction supposed to be like, you know, someone's got to, like, get on another someone and it's got to be a little... Like, oh, wait, I have, I have no, more. I have, I have really. one to give you guys. What? Okay, Rick, okay. Ralph. What's that a fan fiction for? Toy Story? Uh, video, video games. Hot Topic. Super Fix Smash Felix. Brothers. Felix. Oh, Felix. Felix. There we go. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty smart. The end. I'm Thank done. Thank you guys for listening to the Insert Credit Podcast. This was episode nine. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Discuss it on Twitter with the hashtag Insert Credit. Uh, you can send us questions to podcast at insertcredit.com if you want to answer one of our questions. Also send it to podcast at insertcredit.com, but instead of text, send us an audio file under one minute. It's been a pleasure podcasting to you guys. I've been Alex Gorblax Jaffe. I've been Frank Spaldi. Frank Spaldi. I'm Tim Rogers. Uh, I'm Brandon Sheffield. Yep. I'm Brent Porter. And this is podcasting. Yeah! Podcast over, yeah!